Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to a bonus sponsored episode of A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I am Dana K. White of aslobcomesclean.com, and this is the third and final episode of the Good Chemistry Lives Here podcast mini series, Humanizing the Science of Antimicrobials, brought to you by goodchemistrylivesherecom So in our first two shows, I talked to my guests about what antimicrobials are, why they're important, and the vast amount of scrutiny and oversight that the U.S. government pays toward ensuring all antimicrobial products are safe for human health and the environment. So in this episode, we're going to focus on a theme that you have heard countless times in this series. When using an antimicrobial product, whether it's a disinfectant spray or a wipe, or hand sanitizer, or wood finish, you must read the product label and follow the instructions. But there's a lot of information on that label. Is it all important? Are there sections that are more of a priority than others? Can't I just assume that a product is safe since it's been cleared for sale by the government? These are all fair questions that I personally have. And today I will be talking about them with Dave Jones, who honestly was so much fun to talk to. He is a chemist with decades of experience in the antimicrobial industry who will break down a product label and tell us what we should be looking for, what we can skim over and why this is so important. And finally, I'll be speaking with Komal Jain, who is the head of the Center for Biocides Chemistries an organization that represents the antimicrobial industry and that provides a wide range of helpful and creative information under its brand, Good Chemistry Lives Here, the sponsor of this podcast. If you'd like to learn more, I encourage you to visit their website at goodchemistrylivesherecom Okay, Dave, thank you so much for coming on to talk to me today. I'm excited to learn even more about antimicrobial products and using them in my house. So First, I would love to hear about you. Tell us a little bit about your career, your educational background, because in your bio, there are a lot of letters and I want to know how you actually introduce yourself at a party when somebody asks, what do you do and how did you end up doing that? I'm a chemist by training, but um, I'm a senior manager of regulatory affairs for North America for a company called Lonza based in Switzerland. And, but I'm here today on behalf of the Centers for Biocides Chemistries. And uh, they're a great bunch of people. Uh, we're all trying to do the right thing and we're helping everybody stay safe during this pandemic. And, yes. you know, I hope today to point out some ways to help folks know how to do that right. Well, I think that's, you know, this is something that's always interested me, just knowing what is the science behind this stuff that I'm using and not thinking about, knowing that somebody else has been thinking about it and trusting that someone else has been thinking about it. Um, but it really has brought it home over the course of the last, you know, 12 months, pretty much right at 12 months is now all of a sudden we really care exactly how effective this is. How do I need to use it? So tell me if you're willing a little bit about your home life, because we're talking about products that we use in our home. So 
I'd love to hear just kind of, you know, what your home life is like so that we can picture how you personally take the knowledge that you have from the lab and apply it in your own home. I've been working remotely for the last year and a half. A company moved farther away from me. They realized 70 miles each way every day would be a bit taxing. So they were kind enough to let me work remote. So I've been doing this for quite some time. The pandemic came up and, you know, all of a sudden everybody is working remotely. We're getting used to the electronics. But, you know, as far as use of the products in my home, um, I've always had the philosophy where, you know, you use the right tool at the right time. So if I go out and I come back in, you know, I'll usually like sanitize my hands before I even get in a car when I go grocery shopping. And that way the inside of my car is clean. Um, I look at it as like clean zones and dirty zones. If I don't go out of the house, it's clean. I don't need to disinfect, you know, but no, that's what I do is if I don't go out, I don't disinfect. Interesting. Interesting. I like that. Okay. So let's talk about the instructions. That's specifically what we're going over today. How important are the instructions on a disinfectant spray bottle really? Um, Very important. The uh, directions for use are really critical uh, for making sure the product works right. You, You were asking earlier about what kind of testing, like for the coronavirus, the SARS-CoV-2, you measure, you know, you get the surface wet, you count how long it's exposed, then you neutralize the product, and that's called the contact time. And that's how long it takes to kill that particular organism. So it's very important to know how to spray it. You're going to be told to keep the surface wet for the entire contact period and know that after that contact period, you're good to go. That that bug has been 99.9% reduced. Okay, so let's make sure I understand. <laughs> In the lab, there is a specific time that it's tested at to make sure that it has actually done what it said it would do in that specific amount of time so that what's on the label is correct for us to know if I put it on for this amount of time, this is what it promises to do and this is what it's going to do. Exactly. Exactly. And then the directions may say, you know, wipe after five minutes or it may say let air dry, Mm -hmm. but you know, at five minutes, it's done what it needs to do for you. I've been helping at a vaccination clinic Hmm. and um, with the wheelchairs. And so we disinfect them and I keep having to say, guys, I know more now (laughs) and we have to read the directions and you're not supposed to wipe it down. You know I mean? Because there's just things that you don't assume. So let's talk about reading product labels and we're trying to bridge that gap. We're trying through these interviews to help people understand how important it is to follow the directions. But we also are doing this because we know that people don't always read the directions. So, you know, like what, as a scientist, how do you guys factor that into what you do, knowing the reality of what's happening in people's homes? Not a fair question. Um, What we do is we'll make a product that's effective, let's say, on hard, non-porous surfaces. So let's talk about a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. Uh, You really want to focus on what folks are touching, right? So you're looking at the arm pads on the wheelchair. You're looking at the handles in the back. 
-hmm. You're looking at the rims on the wheels on the side, if they're pushing themselves and, and maybe the foot pedals, you don't want to be wiping the spokes on the wheels, right? Right. Is that part of the consideration when products are created is let's, let's make something in a way that's going to be realistic for people to use it correctly, because if it's too complicated, some people are just going, I don't want to do that. I mean, you know, but then they feel like they're disinfecting, but they might not actually be achieving that disinfecting. Yeah. No, I think at least for homeowners, you know, the simplicity and safety are the goals that we shoot for. Right. Um, you know, they're not really strong. Like in an industrial setting, you will see some rather aggressive chemistries, but those aren't allowed usually to be sold in the home. So yeah, using the product following the directions will, you know, achieve disinfection in the home. And most of them you're going to see are spray surface, make sure it's thoroughly wetted for the full contact time, and then either just let it dry or wipe it off, something like that. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, so what are some of the common pitfalls that happen when people don't read the directions? It may not work. Uh, for one, I mean, if you spray it and it's a 10 minute contact time and you're in there in you know, two minutes instead of waiting the full 10, it may not be that effective. Interesting. Okay. Tell, let's talk about specifically about the labels. Like I know we've, we've spoken about the EPA process and, you know, what's involved in that, but let's talk about the sections on a label. Are there just standard things that have to be included on every single label? Or is there some decision-making on the part of the product, you know, the person selling the product of what they want to include on that? You know, tell me about labels and what's required on there. Overall, there are 12 required elements on a label. Um, I'm not going to go through all those right now, but usually I encourage folks first read what's called the signal word, and that'll be something like uh, danger, warning, or caution. You can guess which one you really need to pay attention to. That would be danger, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that would be the first thing. And then you go to a precautionary statement section, and that tells you you know, if it's, uh, you need to wear eye protection or gloves, or if you don't need to wear eye protection, you don't need to wear gloves. You want to read through that. And then lastly, um, what used to be called statement of practical treatment. <laughs> What's that, right? Uh, right? It's first, it's first aid. So ah. thank goodness they let us change that to first aid. So now people understand what that is, but you know, I mean, and not to be too glib, but like you want to be reading the first aid for eyes before you need it. Cause you may not be able to read, right? That makes more a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. More often than not, you want to be flushing it with water, but you know, I encourage everyone, you know, read that. So, you know, before you need to know if you need to know. Yes, that's good. That's good. And what about disposal instructions? You definitely want to read that. There are some warnings about, was it, don't uh, uh, pour it out into a stream or something like that, what makes common sense. But no, usually just look for the, follow those directions, look for that opportunity to recycle every chance you can. Okay, that's great. So out of the different categories on the back, I mean, you, you've kind of spoken to this, but number one, you would say, 
check the danger issues and Mm -hmm. check the first aid so that if something was to happen, you would know how to deal with that. Is that what you would say is most important? Yeah, I think the the warnings, first aid, make sure you dispose properly and, you know, also make sure that you're using it per the directions for use. Right. To make sure it actually works the way it's supposed to and doesn't cause some kind of problem. So talk about how the wording on the label is regulated by the federal government. Um, there's a, a label manual EPA has. It's, uh, I think, 18 chapters now. And there's one chapter devoted to each section of the label. So, you know, the formatting of that language is pretty much set. But I guess one word for language you really want to watch out for is when it says new to the point about directions for use. They may have changed totally. So when you see that, oh. it may be a new fragrance, no big deal, but it could be a, a new trigger sprayer head or something like that. So if it says new, you might you know want to make sure you're familiar with that label again. Okay. Reread through the directions and don't necessarily assume you can keep using it the way you've used it before. Right. Just and, to be sure. Yeah. I mean, officially, I should be saying read the label every time. Uh, EPA says the label is the law and it's a violation of federal law to use this product in a manner inconsistent with its labeling. Mm -hmm. You want to be sure that something hasn't been changed without you knowing. Very good. So what, as a consumer in your own home or for what you would recommend when somebody says, Hey, talk to me about these products that you work on. Um, What should consumers do or consider before they purchase a product? Because there are so many things to choose from. So when we're considering all of these things, like what is it that we should be looking for? What should we read or check before we buy something? I guess, you know, one thing, you'll want to look at is what type of areas in your house or what type of surfaces in your house it's good for. Like there are certain products designed for like bathroom cleaning. Uh, There may be uh, soaps or it may be a little stronger than you'll want to have in your kitchen. So you'll want to check out where and on what in your house that you would be using it. And uh, it depends, too, maybe if you've got a very young child, you'll want to weigh where you're going to be using that or not using that. Um, And I've got a three-month-old grandson, and, you know, for most surfaces he's going to be in when he comes to the house, I'm just going to, you know, have it cleaned. Uh, I'm not going to be disinfecting it. Okay. And... You know, if my dog gets in there, yeah, I'm going to disinfect it. So, um, you know, again, it's just read the label, use it where it's supposed to, not where it's not supposed to. Well, I think that's one of the things I've learned through all of these interviews is I have always thought of cleaning and disinfecting as the same thing. And I've realized there is a difference there and it's a difference that you need to consider. So I appreciate that you said that. Um, Let's talk more about picking a product in the store. So I look at it and I know we were joking about, it's hard to see the back, but it's really, really important. One little tip on that is you can take a picture with your phone and then, you know, zoom on the picture (laughs) to be able to read it. I've had to do that before, but when you're picking something, do you look at the front and all the claims or do you flip it over and look at all of the things that it says on the back as well? And what should we do? 
Well, first, let me tell you what I should respond saying is, you know, yes, I read it thoroughly front and back. And, uh, you know, these are trifocals. So, you know, I can do that. Um, you should always make sure at the point of purchase, you know what that product's going to do, what it is, and, and make sure you want it. That That's good advice too. I know my audience tends to because they do stress out over this stuff. Sometimes mm -hmm. it can be paralyzing when you realize, wait a minute, this is not what I wanted. What am I going to do with it now? And then it just sits there and perhaps it goes bad. Okay. So you mentioned your grandson. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. oh, um, is he your only grandchild? Yes. Yeah. At this point. Yes. How exciting. That's exciting. <laughs> um, so let's talk about kids. A lot of my listeners have their own kids in the home or have grandkids who are coming over. And that is always a concern with these products. So how do you, as someone who has a child in the home or who comes over and is going to hopefully keep coming over, you know, um, what, you know, what are things that you look for? What are, are things that you do as to be sure that, that your area is safe. Okay. Um, well, as uh, we talked about before, you know, I, I use disinfectant sparingly in the house, but, you know, for storing the products, um, we've got a, a puppy in the house too. So, um, you know, you got to make sure kids and dogs, pets can't get to these products. Um, and it's really, I'm a chemist. It's really not just disinfectants. You've got to respect the chemicals. You got to keep them up and away and you know, locked if need be. If you got a boy that's starting to climb, I have vague mm -hmm. memories of that myself. <laughs> um, so you want to keep them inaccessible because there's not a lot of things that aren't foods that you want to take in or smear on your skin. So you keep it isolated. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you. I've really enjoyed ha having this conversation with you and I appreciate your time and your wisdom that we can hopefully apply in our own homes and feel a little bit better about how well we're cleaning them so, no, or disinfecting, my... cleaning and disinfecting because it's not the same thing. <laughs> That's right. No, my pleasure. Thank you. Over the course of the three episodes of this podcast series on antimicrobials, I've had the chance to talk to a top government official, several scientists that work in the antimicrobial industry, and a gentleman who provides professional antimicrobial services. I'd like to turn now to the person who is behind this whole series, Komal Jane. Is that how I say your last name? I know I yeah. checked with you a minute ago. <laughs> okay, so Komal is the... Executive Director of the Center for Biocide Chemistries, an industry trade group made up of more than 50 different companies that develop and distribute the kinds of products that we've discussed. Disinfectant sprays and wipes, material preservatives for wood and paints and hand sanitizers. Thanks for coming on, Komal. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. So I want to hear how you ended up talking about chemistry for a living. Um, well, let me first start off by saying that I am no chemist. So I'm actually an attorney by training and always knew that I wanted a career in environmental law. So I spent several years in the private sector, both in support of EPA programs and, and in the council of Fortune 500 firms, all in the area of environmental compliance. My only big detour was right after 9-11, and I went over to the Federal Aviation Administration to help with national security. But after seven years, I returned back into the area of environmental law, which really truly translates into chemical management issues. 
So tell me, what was the spark of an idea that led to this podcast series? So my organization, the Center for Biocide Chemistries, is really committed to ensuring that our members' products are safely used and that the public understands the value of the products that they offer. So we created a brand and a website called Good Chemistry Lives Here, which you have referenced repeatedly on um, previous podcasts. And if you visit our website and our social media pages, there's a lot of information on our commitment to product safety and integrity and so much more. But we didn't really want to rely on the website alone. Um, We realized that so many folks nowadays do listen to podcasts. You know, they listen on their way to the office or perhaps when they're working out. Um, So we want to take advantage of that platform. And fortunately, we found you and your podcasts and realized that we could have a great partnership. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun for me. I've it's something I've always wanted to do, honestly. Talk to the people who actually are involved in making the products. And so I've really enjoyed having this chance to do this. Um, if there's one point that you want people to take away from this series, what would you say that that point is? So it's really rather simple. Um, the message that we want to emphasize, and we have been emphasizing it again and again is that antimicrobials, including disinfectants, are safe to use and are effective against harmful germs when they're used correctly according to their label instructions. You know, in this series of podcasts, we've broken that message into three buckets, and we dedicated each episode to each one of those buckets. So in the first episode, Demystifying Antimicrobials, we introduced this class of chemicals called antimicrobials. Um, We want to make sure that your listeners know what they are, what different forms they take. And with regard to disinfectants, you know, I doubt that most people going to the grocery store to buy a new bottle of bathroom cleaner are asking themselves, hey, where are those antimicrobials? (laughs) No, they're kind of just saying, you know, where are the disinfectants? And that's a name we commonly associate with the sprays and wipes that they that are advertised and that kill 99.9% of all the germs. So we wanted folks to be familiar with that vocabulary. Um, you know, disinfectants are in fact only one kind of antimicrobial. Uh, we have other antimicrobials that include material preservatives, wood finishes, the chemicals used to treat and recycle water. Um, all those are antimicrobials. And, you know, we're hopeful that we've gotten folks a bit familiar with that group of chemistries as well. I think so. I personally have a much better understanding of antimicrobials and how they work. So in the second part of the series, we talked about the process that products go through to get approval, right? Exactly. So again, if we think back to the message I just um, cited, One of the most important aspects are that these products are safe to use and effective against harmful germs. Um, So how do we know that? How do we know that one, they're safe and two, they're effective? Um, The answer is really quite simple. It's because the federal government, specifically the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, evaluates the information provided by the manufacturers of those products to make sure that the products work and they don't pose a risk when used properly. So Anita Pease, who you had on podcast two, oversees EPA's antimicrobial division. And um, she explained during that podcast in detail how her office regulates these products for effectiveness and safety. You also spoke to Julie Timberman from Clorox, 
company who, um, you know, represents the other side of the table. She, um, you know, is a manufacturer. She represents a manufacturing company that works with EPA to ensure that they, that they, EPA, have all the data needed to do their job. That approval process is rigorous. And the members of my group, the CDC, are, you know, very um, pleased that this process is in place and that it is, in fact, as robust as it is because that really distinguishes our members from um, any, let's say, bad faith actors or shady manufacturers or distributors. So again, that approval process is key. Yeah. So now in this episode, I was able to talk to Dave, who I liked so much. He was so nice Mm -hmm. um, about how to read those product labels. And it's important to be able to read them correctly because now we understand how important those are and what all goes into creating those product labels. Exactly. So again, going back to our message, um, the third bucket is, you know, these products need to be used correctly and according to their label instructions. And hence we have this podcast called read a product label or how to read a product label. You know, so Dave and hopefully with me re-emphasizing, we're really trying to tell the consumer what to look for on a product label and really how to read that product label, even as early as when they're standing in the grocery aisle trying to figure out what to buy. Um, So we're trying to emphasize the very first question that should be asked is, does this product do what I want it to do? Um, You wouldn't want to buy or should need to buy a product to clean your kitchen that's really meant to use be used in a bathroom, for example. And then secondly, the label is going to tell you how to use it. You know, do you spray it on the surface and then wipe it up after 10 seconds? Or do you have to wait two minutes or 10 minutes? Uh, do you wipe it up with a paper towel or with soap and water or not at all? Um, should you wear eye protection? Should you wear gloves? These distinctions are important because one, they ensure the safety for the person using it. And two, that they ensure that the product is going to work um, as it was intended to work. So, you know, if you immediately wipe up a disinfectant that's supposed to remain in place for 10 minutes, you really haven't killed the germs that you wanted to have killed. Um, So that really puts your public health at jeopardy if you don't read the product label. And Dana, you know, don't get me wrong. I know it's a hassle to read these product labels. And I'll be the first to admit that until I took over the CBC, I was a great offender of skipping the reading of a label. It's, you know, the print is tiny. Um, There's a lot of information. Um, So it's easy to just say, eh, I know what this is all about and I'm not going to bother. But I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to read the label. And um, that's why we have this episode. Um, And we're trying to direct you and all your listeners to really um, focus on the important sections of the product label. Um, We also, in addition to this podcast, just recently produced an animated video that provides visual um, instructions on exactly what you need to look for and where to look for it. There's a lot of stories in the media right now, particularly in the times of COVID, about the overuse of disinfectants. From my perspective, it really isn't about overuse, it's misuse. And if people focus on reading the label, we won't have the issue of misuse. That's a really good point, because I know that is a major concern for a lot of people. And 
that's why I feel like it's really important to let's educate and let's talk about the realities of what it is we're supposed to be looking for and knowing how to use these products correctly. So I hear you on the importance of knowing just exactly what you're using because they're chemicals. I mean, they're meant to be powerful, to kill germs. So I think people generally know you have to treat them with respect, but I can also see people saying, because I know I've said it too, oh, well, if they're for sale at the local grocery store, they must be fine. And that's not always the case. True. So, you know, you've got your familiar brands, you've got your go-to brands. And um, generally speaking, you should be pretty confident if you're going to a familiar brand. But when I say familiar, that should mean that you've read the label at least one time over. But even with those products that you grew up with, it's important to read those labels periodically. Things change, the chemical components can change. So when they do make those changes in formulation, there can be a change of instructions. So make sure that you read the instructions, find out whether all of a sudden it went from going from, you know, it should stay on the surface for two minutes to maybe five minutes. Maybe all of a sudden it's gone from, not all of a sudden, but maybe the instructions have changed to say uh, spray and wipe to now spray, wipe and use water. You know, you might also find out that it's recommended to wear gloves when previously perhaps you didn't need to. Um, And the other thing is some of these products do have expiration dates. So, you know, even after you purchase the product and it's sitting in your broom closet or wherever you store your products safely, you might periodically want to take a look at it, see whether or not something has expired and whether it should be disposed of. Again, it's just worth taking the time to read through and make sure you're using the products the right way. Yes, I've definitely learned that. You do have to treat them with respect. And I I think for the most part, people do, they do recognize that these are chemical products. And so most people know, don't spray a household disinfectant on your food. Um, Don't leave a spray bottle sitting around where your children might be able to easily access them. Um, But there are some things that folks aren't necessarily aware of, like don't mix disinfectants together. You know, don't take bottle one that happens to be only 25% full and mix it with another bottle that's only halfway full. If they're not the same, or even if they are the same, you know, but they've aged differently, you don't want to mix them because you're possibly mixing different chemicals together. And um, if mixed, maybe they're going to, you know, create a noxious odor or even a more dangerous chemical reaction. And similarly, you shouldn't remove disinfectant products and store them in un- labeled containers. You know, thankfully it doesn't happen frequently, but every so often you read stories about somebody accidentally even drinking um, a antimicrobial product or a chemical product because it was an unmarked container. Um, That's a dangerous practice. So we really advise folks to respect the product and care for them carefully. So those are all common sense things. And yet you're right. I can totally see maybe somebody not realizing that it is a very bad idea to, I don't know, mix a little of this and with that, um, because I like both of them. So, you know, I mean, like I can, I can see that happening. So I think it's really important that we say that. Yeah. And so, you know, we've actually created on good chemistry lives here on our website, some resources that are just really great, easy to read instructional go-tos. Um, there's do's and don'ts of safe disinfectant use. 
you know, do make sure you thoroughly and immediate cleanup um, after a bottle spills or leaks, but don't toss an empty spray bottle into the recycling bin without thoroughly rinsing it out. Again, don't mix your disinfectants, don't spray it on your body. Um, so I really encourage uh, our listeners here to take a look at that information and even maybe print it out and keep it handy. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. So one last thing I wanted to discuss is that on this podcast series, we have talked a few times about the fact that antimicrobials are more than just disinfectants. You mentioned this earlier. Um, it's maybe the most common form for many of us, the disinfectants, but there's this whole other antimicrobial world in the form of preservatives. Yes. And so they're kind of like our hidden warriors. There are chemicals that are antimicrobials that are found in a lot of common products um, and areas, but they're not, you know, as visible as disinfectants because the consumer doesn't actually apply them. They're actually incorporated into the product. So antimicrobials are often also incorporated into gym clothes. Probably not something you've really thought about, but if you think about gym clothes and they say that there's anti-odor components, that anti-odor component is an antimicrobial. And they're important because they actually help sustain, you know, the longevity of the clothes. Um, antimicrobials are also added to paints and cosmetics and lotions. And the reason for that is most of those have a high water-based content. And anytime you have a high water content, you've created an environment that is really susceptible to um, bacteria growth. So you add the antimicrobials to prevent that bacterial growth. If you didn't have the antimicrobials, believe it or not, you'd have to refrigerate those products. Can you imagine opening up your refrigerator and seeing cans of paint? Um, so, <laughs> yeah. you know, you wouldn't do it, which means that you would dispose of the paint immediately after use. And from just a pure life cycle analysis, that is not what we want to do. So there are a lot of places where you might not realize antimicrobials are at work, but I'll tell you, if they weren't present, you would know it for sure. Um, Interesting. So another thing to just mention, it's, it's not overly dramatic to say that certain items cannot be commonly part of our household because if you didn't have the antimicrobials, you would be replacing them on a regular basis. And that's just not economical. Let's talk about like a high ticket item, which might be your outdoor furniture. And let's say you live in Florida where there's high humidity. If that furniture, which is usually, you know, got a textile, um, wasn't preserved with antimicrobials, you'd be replacing them every season. And I can't imagine that most of us can afford to do so. Um, so again, that's just another place where you might come to appreciate the antimicrobials. Yes. That was interesting to me. I live in Texas, so that would be the case for us too. And, um, just outdoor furniture, some stuff, if you try to put it outside and it's not meant to be outdoor furniture, it just, just feels like it disintegrates. I don't know if disintegrates is the right word or not. Right. But, but it does, it, it does not last. And so that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. Komal, any last words on this subject before we wrap up today? So um, Dana, let me just repeat myself again. Um, <laughs> and that is please, please, please read and follow the directions and be sure to do so before you even buy a product but certainly before you use it. So as one of our industry members likes to say, 
it's a lot easier to read the emergency instructions before you accidentally get it into your eye than after. So please take the time to look at the labels before you use it, even before you buy it. We want everybody to use these products safely and effectively. And you have a lot of this kind of information on your website, correct? Correct. So again, goodchemistrylivesherecom The podcasts are there. Our videos are there. We have brochures and pamphlets, um, frequently asked questions. So, so there's a immense number of resources um, to learn about disinfectants, but again, also those other antimicrobial uses that I talked about. Okay. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for talking to me. I appreciate it. Okay. I hope y'all have enjoyed hearing from some of the real humans who work in this industry and also use these products in their own homes because, you know, everyone has to clean their toilet. Remember that you can learn more about the things we talked about on these episodes by going to Good Chemistry Lives Here. Thanks again to them for sponsoring this series. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.